This is WCPO FM 1051 on your FM dial, Cincinnati, Ohio. WKRC, Cincinnati. This is the nation station. Hi again, everyone, and welcome to the Cincy Shirts Podcast. It's episode 21. I'm P.F. Wilson, Director of Content for Cincy Shirts and our sibling site, OldSchoolShirts.com. Today on our show, Dan Listerman and Jason Brewer from Listerman Brewing. I went to a drugstore. I saw this bag with about a pound of malt and an ounce of hops and instructions, and I was supposed to boil that up with five pounds of sugar, cool it down, and put it into a new garbage can with a packet of Fleshman's bread yeast. It was ghastly. Jason is the GM, and yes, he is properly called Brewer. That's his real last name. All Dan, of course, is the founder of Lusterman Brewing. We recorded at their place, so it's a little noisy, but not as bad as I had feared. I was able to fix the audio, so it uh, came out pretty good. We talk about how Dan went from selling brewing supplies to full-on brewing and starting a brewery, how they create some of their unique brews, and how they view the big breweries like Budweiser and Miller and all those. This was recorded back in March, and I believe it's me, well, it's me for sure, and Darren, along with Billy, uh, our product manager, and possibly Chris Ware, our web guy. In any case, we start talking to Jason, and then Dan joined us a little bit into it, about 15 minutes in, so here we go. Let's talk to Listerman Brewing. Cincinnati, Ohio. Cincinnati, Ohio. I come from Cincinnati. In a while, I'm at com in Cincinnati. Session, or is it a, just a straight New England IPA? Uh, I'm very into the IPA lately. Nice. Yeah. You're the only one. <laughs> yeah. Isn't that the trend? People are moving away from IPAs, or is that. Not if you ask us. Yeah. <laughs> I was going to say. Yeah, New England IPAs. I don't know if that was a hipster thing or. A little bit of everything. Yeah. The New England IPA and just any kind of hazy IPA seems like a trend. Yeah. People are eating it up. You guys. And isn't the Fiona a New England IPA? It is. Too? Yeah. We did that to kind of like branch people out to what the style is. and It's a good move. Yeah. There you go. People, we knew people were going to buy it no matter what we put in the can. So we're like, why don't we just do this? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> that way their palettes are already ready for how many different hazy or New England IPAs you put out. Right. That's awesome. That's a smart move. That's a real smart move. What are we talking about today? We're going to talk about beer in general. Are we, uh... Yeah. yeah. Oh, he married us again. <laughs> That's how he does it. He's like... Yeah, you know. Should we learn from Marin? So get you guys on the on the podcast here, learn a little bit about what you got going on. But that's good. Yeah, so we're here at Listerman Brewing Company in uh, Norwood. We're here with Jason. Jason is the GM. The GM. So we're here with the man, tasting some uh, tasty uh, Listerman beverages. Mm-hmm. So this should be. Uh, an interesting conversation for sure, not just to learn about Listerman and the whole company and everything you guys got going on from the time you started to where you are now to where you're going and uh, drinking a couple tasty beverages along the way. Cool. So yeah, thanks for uh, having us in. We're, yeah, thanks for having us. We are me. live from, uh, we're not live actually, we're <laughs> live on, live. Live on <laughs> not dead right now. Say, yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. 
But uh, yeah, we are at the brewery here at one of the, the long picnic tables with all the uh, flowery doodles all over. So we're, we're living it. Yeah. Uh, across the street from Xavier, it looks like. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. You know it properly. Uh, the sun is not shining over there, is it? Yeah. No. <laughs> no. It's shining anywhere at this point in time. Yeah. yeah. Awesome. So yeah. So Listerman Brewery. How long you guys uh, been around? Like, our, what, you our, guys got a little story? Yeah, I got a little story. So our it's you know we have the homebrew store and the brewery. Uh, started off as making uh, homebrew supplies. We actually started in the Hamilton County Business Incubator, which is that building. One of the brown buildings over there, right, right beyond Xavier's campus. So oh, not nice. far from here. We started there. In, Dan and Sue started there in 91. And oh, they were making uh, homebrew supplies. Uh, so basically taking larger brewery equipment and shrinking it down to the size for homebrewers, manufacturing that and shipping it throughout the country. So when we go to conferences and festivals and we have our Listerman stuff on, they ask if we're with the Listerman back in the early 90s because that's how they got their start homebrewing. Oh, was wow. by buying stuff from Dan. Nice. So all the homebrew geeks yeah. already know. Yeah. Uh, the, the OG homebrew geeks. <laughs> yeah. uh, so fast forward to 95, we bought this building. It was an old machine shop. And the room that we're sitting in now used to be the grain area for the uh, homebrew shop. So this is all, we have still have the homebrew shop, shop over there. So anything you need to buy, grain, hops, buckets, you know, that was all in, in this area here. And used to be a distillery where the homebrew shop is now, uh, and then the brewery didn't really exist. And then uh, 2007, Dan got a cold call from someone looking to sell a brewing system, just a two-barrel system. Uh, it was fairly cheap, so we thought, why not? And started the brewery in 2008. So two-barrel system, he's making four kegs of beer at once. <laughs> so not really a great return on the investment if you're looking to actually make money on, yeah. on beer. And then things kind of changed when the tap law uh, changed. We were lucky enough to already have a brewery, and so the tap law changed so we could open up our tap room. So that's where that lower area became a tap room and uh, started making beer more seriously. Uh, hired a new head brewer, and Dan stopped making beer, thank God. Uh, <laughs> and then kind of grew from there. And, you know, that's 10 years. This is our 10 year anniversary. Still trying to figure out what we're going to do for that. I have a couple fun ideas out there. Um, that's awesome. Ten years. Ten years. Man. What in the law changed so that you could have the tap? You could serve beer on site for customers to buy. Why was that not a thing for that's, so long? That's a great question. There's <laughs> some states where you still can't do it. I know. What, what, uh, is that because it? of big beer? Uh, just because of old antiquated alcohol laws that just never got changed. Uh, okay. There weren't enough brew. Like it's, you know, I think there's an old tale that, you know, you, can, you can't fish for whales on Sunday in Ohio. Yeah. Like, you know, there's not enough people trying to fish for whales on Sunday in Ohio for them to even make a push to change the law. So, right. you know, the more breweries that were opening up um, throughout the country in Ohio, I don't know the whole just behind it, but I imagine they saw potential for growth if they did this, you know, growing industry yeah, and right. making a lot more tax revenue than they were before on beer. For yeah. Sure. I'm sure that law in Cincinnati sure helped. Yeah. I mean, what is there? It seems like 50 craft breweries <laughs> open now. I don't know if that's uh, com- you know comparable to what was here before Prohibition or not. I have to look in my Cincinnati beer history. Well, but. I think Prohibition was a lot more central. You know, fifty. You know, Cincinnati could be twenty-five breweries depending on you know whose definition of Cincinnati you, you go by. But yeah. you know, Greater Cincinnati I think is closer yeah. to fifty. But you know, back in the old days, it was all an OTR. So, mm-hmm. um, but whereas now it's way more spread out. Where it was like seventy-five breweries over fifty blocks. Yeah, it was insane. Yeah. <clears throat> 
So you, uh, you guys pay attention to what all the other guys are doing as uh, keeping up with the Joneses? Seems like you guys have like your own personality for sure. Right. I mean, when it comes like like the the hip hop collection and uh, you know some of the different flavors and the things that you're putting out, where does that come in as far as like you know planning your business as far or what's 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 coming? Like what what move you should make next? Yeah, well, we just kind of you know follow our own instincts, really. Um, you know, we make beer that we enjoy, and you know, we don't really look at what our own market is doing. We don't really have a competitor in our market. You know, you have the Matries, the Rheingeises. If we try to compete with them, we're just going to fail. We right. can't make beer cheaper than them. We can't market better than them. You know, we can't have a better tap room than they do because they do all those things exceptionally well. Mm-hmm. Uh, and they're very, very large breweries. So, you know, you kind of got to look at what we can do well and just, you know, worry about yourself and, and, and do the best that you can do and then hope that people catch on to it and uh, begin to follow you. And I think that we've done a really, really good job at finding out what we're, what we're good at and uh, really excelling in those areas. Well, you guys own this neighborhood. I mean, when I think of Norwood, I think of beer, I think of Listerman. Same with like Northern Kentucky, you think of Brax and everything, and that's crucial to each each brewery. And I think you guys have just nailed it down. We don't even talk talk about Norwood. Don't do that. Don't do it, Uh, but drink it though. You know, it's just just a trend in really in beer where brewery, it was at one point, every brewery's trying to get as big as they can, and now, there's a bunch of neighborhood breweries opening up, and I think that's really the, the the end goal is you know every neighborhood will have a brewery. It won't be a very big brewery. Yeah. Not every, and you know a big thing is like I don't give a <laughs> how many people know about a brewery. <laughs> yeah, you know I just we make beer for ourselves and for our fans, and like I don't yeah. care if we're nationally recognized in some magazine <clears throat> prints our name that literally means jack shit right. uh, to us. Of course. So you, you know as long as wrapping around the building. Every other Saturday or whatever for your yeah. limited releases, I think you're doing something right. Yeah. yeah. So I mean, and that's really where the the market's trending. You know, where these yeah. neighborhood breweries that you know you live 50 miles away, you don't know about them. That's okay. Yeah. You know, just make beer for the people that support you, and you're gonna do just fine. But then it makes it fun with your friends who are across the country. Like I have a buddy in Seattle. Right. And we'll just he comes back, I'll go there, we'll just swap beers. And be like, oh, did you learn about Fremont? I had Fremont for the first time. They're a great brewery. Dude, so am I allowed to say that on this thing? Sure. Yeah, yeah. I'm going uh, to beep it, but <laughs> everyone's over 21 listening. Knock yourself out. I had uh, it the uh, Bourbon Barrel Age Dark Star. Yeah. Oh, my God. It just yeah, and they make it. like B-Bomb and some other really great so, stuff. Yep, I still have that in my pantry. I've been, a, I've been a fan of Fremont for a long time. Yeah, but I didn't know about him until he was like, dude, you got to try that. And uh, I got it somehow, but uh, I had it. And it's just like, I wouldn't have known right. if he was even. Oh, I live like super close to it. So I just go all the time. Keep that friend. Forever. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. He's a great friend. So yeah, I think that's awesome. But it doesn't need to be. No one needs. Not everybody needs to be Goose Island. Right. And so you know, the hip hop stuff comes from you know just us loving hip hop and us loving that that really age and that time where it was music was about sending a message instead of making money. Yeah. And you know that's kind of and I love that we're making our beer about that. You know with the. I don't want to get too political, but, you know, just send it, making sure that, you know, your beer is something more than just beer and helping those in your community a lot. We donate a lot of money to the zoo and to Elements and several local communities because of our, our beer releases and making sure that we're able to put back into our community what we take out of it. Right. So tell us a little more in depth about the uh, the hip hop series um, for people who don't, who aren't aware how often do you do it? Do you, like, I don't know if you want to maybe talk about some flavors you got coming up, or is it? Sure. 
or just, yeah, just kind of introduce uh, our listeners to that whole program because it really is. I mean, it's just fun. Yeah, you know what I mean. That's really what it boils down to. We just like having fun here. Uh, but if you look, read, go on Netflix, they have a hip hop documentary series. Like, the name is escaping me right now. It's like four episodes. It is fantastic, and you kind of can kind of see how hip hop found, was founded on the East Coast mm-hmm. and how um, you know West Coast came after. Um, but that you know this New England style IPA was coming out and becoming popular, and we were drinking a whole bunch and really loving the, the New England IPA. So it just made sense to us. You know, it's an East Coast IPA. Hip hop started in the East Coast. Mm-hmm. Let's name some of these after some of our favorite artists. And it goes a little bit deeper than that. We found actually found a Cincinnati hip hop nonprofit oh, called cool. Elements. So they help kids with spoken word and hip hop and uh, music production and uh, arts and dance. And uh, so they're a really great organization that helps kids down, uh, down in OTR in Cincinnati. So we're able to kind of tie all those things together and making the hip hop series so I don't know if you, which way you came in but well, that wall out there has got all that graffiti on it that's mm-hmm. actually from Elements uh, one of their students that's doing street art so he doesn't have a very big place to practice his art down there so we said hey we got a whole big wall here oh, awesome. just here's some spray paint come up and do your thing that's cool so that's he's on this third different time changing that up so that's awesome yeah it's just been it's, it's opened a lot of doors for us and I couldn't be happier yeah that's awesome and then uh, you also have triple digit for people who don't know yeah, we're, kind of, we're in the process of pulling triple digit back in-house and under the Listerman brand. So it'll just be a triple digit series where the gravity is above 1.100. So we're in the process of doing that. The gravity? Wait, wait what's that? <laughs> uh, gravity is is potential for alcohol. So the original the original gravity is uh, over 1.100. You know, a normal uh, 5% beer, it's it's kind of gravity equals percent, So, but not really. So like a 1.100% gravity beer is almost like a 10% beer, whereas a 50 gravity beer is like a 5% beer. It doesn't always work that way, but it gets you in the right ballpark gotcha. uh, for those sort of things. So, um, you know, it's all those big, high-alcohol beers that go under that triple-digit stuff. So we're kind of, we've are kind we've been known for our dark beers for a long time mm-hmm. and our barrel-aged beers, and now we're starting to get more known for our, our IPAs and some of our other stuff. Yeah, because Chacao is great, and then Cinnamon Roll Chacao is my favorite beer. That we just did barrel-aged Cinnamon Roll Chacao. Shut up. Yeah. When's that? What, that I missed it. It was only hundred. We only did hundred bottles of that. So I missed it. How uh, can doing hundred bottles be worth anyone's time? Uh, we like it because it gets it gets some exciting beer into the hands of people that well, some are really big fans. So they they they're going to line up whether we have this beer or not, and you know it's kind of a reward for them to be able to have a beer that there's only a hundred of. Yeah. Um, so they can share it or trade it or do whatever they want with it. Yeah. Or feel better than their friends because they got to have it. And Maybe trade some T-shirts for the, this guy. Yeah, for the bottle. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I, I might, we can might, we might be able to work something. Out. <laughs> so I just got so nervous. Is there an underground <laughs> market to, uh, to sell? You know, the, that's a whole that's the, a whole other thing. The, the that, Fiona's, or, or yeah, do you guys have a release? And then it, uh, you check out eBay at noon uh, especially on Saturday, the, and all your stuff's up there. Especially the Fiona's. That's that's just a little <laughs> ridiculous. I don't know why people would pay fifty dollars for a single can, empty can of beer. Is that what's going for? Uh, if not more, yeah. Oh, really? What? Yeah, it's crazy. I know. Empty. Yeah. Empty. A Fiona's a whole other beast. Yeah, she as, is. As, we, uh, as you guys know. <laughs> I, mean, I get it. Like uh, I collect old Cincinnati beer cans. You know, I've I paid upwards of ten dollars for some, and it's just like the Huda Pool 75, 76 World Series cans. That's crazy. Trade you five of those for one Fiona. I can do that. I have that at all. <laughs> there you go. There we go. You got a market. Yeah. 
So right now we're drinking I'm on a boat. What's this all about? Seems uh, like a little, uh, little summery beer, huh? Yeah, so the our IPAs are not really bitter, but they're more on the fruity side. So we use the same amount of hops as a normal IPA, but it's all on the back end, so you just get the fruitiness of it instead of the bitterness. And so we actually made this one with our good friends up in Yellow Springs, at Yellow Springs Brewery. Mm-hmm. Um, they came down and made the beer with us, so really, really happy with the way this one turned out. What kind of fruit am I tasting in this? Uh, this one's got a little bit of, of pineapple and papaya, um, and just a touch of mango. So yeah. it's, it's all those nice. tropical fruits that are really good. It's very subtle too, right? Because a lot of times I was telling Darren I got picked up a deal on some Brooklyn orange, and I was always I'm always afraid it's going to be too it's going to be more citrusy than it is beery, and so it tastes like a malt beverage. Yeah, but it doesn't. It tastes like beer. So and this is this is perfect. Yeah, thank you. Yeah, that's, that's kind of exactly what we go for: drinkability mm-hmm. and also that that nice juicy fruitiness. Like that lemon pound cake is perfect for summer. Yeah. That thing's awesome. Thank you. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Now, when you say fruit, are you talking, you guys go to Kroger and just clear out the, the produce section? <laughs> no. Or is there a big, a big vat of powder labeled mango back there? No, there is a, uh, it's just all from the hops. So some, some beer we add fruit to, some we don't. Uh, this one we do not. So this is all from the, the hops that we use in this one. I think this one was uh, Citra Amarillo and Vic Secret. Mm. Huh. So a combination of those. So the well. hops come flavored. Yep. Well, I mean, the, the oils and the hops give out the different flavors. So depending on where you grow the hops, some grow earthy and spicy and some grow citrusy and some grow grapefruity. You know, it just depends on, like, they crossbreed the hops. There's a whole horticulture element involved in it. Some of them are natural, some of them are crossbred and created. So Now, it's tricky to get some hops, right? Like, right. It's just, does, it, does it vary on the season? Does it vary on just the, the yes, availability no. from the farms? Yeah, it's, you know, some hops like Nelson run upwards of $35, $40 a pound. And then some hops like Cascade are like 3 or $4 a pound. So it's really just a supply and demand thing as with anything else in the world. So, you know, spring and fall are a little bit easier to find certain hops because that's when the harvest is happening in different parts of the world. Um, so all in all, it's... Some hops are really difficult to find, and some are really easy to find. It just depends on what you're looking for. Is that why? Is it? Is, is that why double IPA season is late January? Is that when double IPA is? I thought all year round was double. Oh well, <laughs> I agree with you. But you know, like when Hopslam comes here, or that's just that bre- that particular brewery. No, that's just that particular brewery schedule. Huh? That's crazy. Yeah. That's how I've always felt like that was the schedule. Was, uh, I think a lot of breweries just come out with their their double IPA in the. Uh, like midwinter. Yeah, we. Uh, it's uh, each brewery. That's Dan. He owns a place. Oh, um, hey. Each brewery has a contract that they sign for hops, like the previous year, so they can load up on those hops and have them available for when they brew it. So it's not really a most the big breweries aren't really subject to seasonality of those sort of things. Gotcha. So, is there a lot of trial and error in choosing different hops, or do you know what different hops are going to do basically, so you can? They are pretty well laid out with, they have something called alpha acids that tell you how much, how potent the hops are, so to speak. Um, but they are, have, all have uh, flavor profiles to them mm. so that you know before you do anything with them what those certain hops are going to do. It's a whole science. Yes. <laughs> Not quite a crapshoot. <laughs> well, we're doing a podcast if you want to sit down. Say, you sure. want to sit down and talk? Yeah. yeah. I'm sure you got some stories. You one or two. <laughs> awesome. Yeah. So, uh, so the owner Dan just uh, just joined us here. Should we uh, move the old yeah, mic down a little yeah. bit? 
Awesome. How are you? Good. Hey, yeah. Thanks for uh, Not an issue. stopping by. Yeah, you, need a, issue. you need a beer here, too. Are you, uh, I just drink this earlier in the day. <laughs> <laughs> I'm 63 and a half years old now. <laughs> Was the half the cutoff point? I think it might have been. <laughs> so tell us about the old days, getting started. You said that you uh, have been selling the, the home brewery. Uh, I started since brewing 91? in 73. 73. Oh, it was illegal then. I didn't go that far back. <laughs> I was at Miami University and I went to a drugstore. I saw this bag with about a pound of malt and an ounce of hops and instructions. And I was supposed to boil that up with five pounds of sugar, and cool it down, and put it into a new garbage can with a packet of Fleshman's bread yeast. It was ghastly. <laughs> it was really bad. Um, and uh, so we did that about four or five times, and it ended up in the fire extinguishers mostly. One of my friends choked down a whole quart of it. Everybody was very impressed. Most of it ended up you know, squirting all over the place. Wow. Um, then I quit doing that, and in the 88, which was 30 years next, in, 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 May, in May, 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 uh, my old roommate called and said, let's make some beer. And I said, Johnson, you don't want to <laughs> and he said, no, 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 it's much better now. And then, uh, so my brother and I went up there. We made some beer. It was great. <laughs> Williams Brewing Kit. Johnson claims it was American ALL or something like that. And uh, so that was 88. I didn't like some of the uh, bottling equipment that was offered at the time. It would suck air into the neck of the bottle. So I sat in a bar one night and designed a better one and made it the next day and thought, well, that wasn't hard. I can do that a lot. <laughs> oh. That was in 91, January 91. So uh, we did that for about almost a year at, in the basement. And then if you look over there, you can see the building, the Hamilton County Business Development Center is over there. We had a room over there for about three and a half years, uh, manufacturing stuff. Then they found and helped me finance this building in 95. Uh, we manufactured stuff, and then we had the homebrew shop up in this room. Then And then uh, the... Manufacturing started to get less and less profitable, uh, so we, a lady called me up with a brew house, since, and I bought it, and then that, that's a brewing license, and that was another I haven't looked back. That's awesome. What was your day job before you? I was a I was a quality engineer at Senco Products. I left at the face of a raise. Uh, that's coming up. What is today? Twentieth, March twenty-sixth will be twenty-five years. Uh, that I've been self-employed. Oh, nice. <laughs> That's awesome. Do you always have the dream? Of being, are you, I did. My grandfather the... founded a tool and die shop in 53, and I was always so proud of him. Uh, my cousin runs it today. Uh, and it was always an inspiration. And I thought, I thought I could always get another engineering job, but find, you know, founding a business was not an easy thing to do. So yeah. I thought, well, I'll see how this goes and whatever. And if it doesn't go very far, then I'll just get a job. It's worked out really well. Yeah, so, I'd say. So when you're tinkering, did you create any firsts? Firsts? Like, oh, like, uh, like uh, you were talking about how you didn't like the, the air in the bottle. Uh -huh. so were you the first to design something? Something like along those. A uh, single roll malt mill. I don't think anybody else designed that. It was, a it was a lot harder to check back in the day without the internet. Oh, that's true. Well, I tried to patent it, and the University of Nebraska uh, had patent 
the uh, the principle that it was based on in order to measure the frailability of grains, uh-huh. not for crushing all. <laughs> yeah. The one thing I wanted, they they took because <laughs> unrelated. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But I did spar drums, false bottoms, the truck, Paisian's got a picture of my stuff in his in his second book. Siphon starter. Don't look at me. I wasn't here. I know you were. <laughs> <laughs> we made a lot of things. Huh. I know it just it just kept getting less and less lucrative, and so finally I gave it up for the brewery. So, uh, do you have uh, like one recipe that is just that is the the one recipe you're you're proud of? That I don't know if it's a award winning or is there one beer that you are. It's a sore subject. <laughs> uh, oh, I even know a can of worms. Good, good, good. <laughs> <coughs> Two, I have a mild ale recipe I'd like to do, Blood which won't sell. <laughs> and then I have a, uh, uh, I have a smoked bock that we do make here that doesn't sell either. Oh, the fryer bock? Mm. Yeah. Yeah, I love that. <laughs> it's hard to please the masses. <laughs> yeah. You know, you got to like what you like and just do it. And I let them, uh, this is my flaw, <laughs> they can make whatever they want. They've been very good at this back there. Whatever they, uh, do I ever debate what you make? Not usually. Not usually. Oh, you're just trying to stay <laughs> okay. out of the way? You're trying to one exception. Hands off? One exception is the smoke buck. I yes. want that made. And that's not asking so much. Yeah. So what, the GM comes to you and says, ah, we got to make these numbers and this is going to cost this and that. And that's exactly what happens. <laughs> that's exactly what you they nailed it on the head. Dumping out kegs. <laughs> Yeah, I'm not a Bach guy, but I like that Bach. You like that because one? Because of the smoke in it. Thank you. Yes, I appreciate that. It's a different twist on your normal right. Bach. You know, you know how the smoke comes from, don't you? No. Uh, it's made with Ralph Holtz from Vireman Maltings in Bomberg. It, um, it's, it's no addition. They actually uh, kiln the malt over beechwood fires. Oh. So it, it, that's the way beer was made 200 years ago. And that's 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 how that's why I like it. It's, it's not something we add to it, nothing like that. That's so cool. If you open the bags up, it's right there. It's not like you're standing over a vat with liquid smoke no, no, dropping no. it in. <laughs> no. So did anybody else use your bottling system? Were you able to like make oh, I sold thousands of those things. Okay. All over the world. Wow. Yeah. Come to find out it wasn't all that important to get this. <laughs> if you bottle condition, it's not that important that you eliminate air into the headspace because the yeast will consume the, the uh, oxygen in there. So the, the reason I did it, what I come to find out, really wasn't all that important. <laughs> but it was a cool thing. Yeah, you were able to convince others and yeah. sell it to them. So well, yeah, that's... I, I believed it for a long time myself. <laughs> so why did the business become less profitable? We're just not into home brewing. It was, uh, it was okay as income or... replacement, but it wasn't okay for a larger scale. Okay, if, if I did it myself, that was okay. We did real well that way. But if I had to hire people to do it, it got, you know. Cut your margins. So he was yeah, talking about your first uh, brewery, uh, brewing setup. You could make about two kegs. What, four kegs. Uh, four kegs? Four, yeah, it was a two-barrel system, right? So what's your capacity now? Ten. Ten, ten barrels? We, yeah, we, we have 20 barrel fermenters. Uh, so we do them twice. This, this, the first system came out of a... Um, it was a token brewery in a bar in Port Clinton. Uh, the guy was trying to manage the bar out of Middletown. It didn't work out. And so the woman called me up. How can I sell this brewery stuff? Talk to me. <laughs> <laughs> we still have the pump, don't we? <laughs> we, awesome. we, got, we got rid of that what, just about three or four years after we started. Mm-hmm. Something like that. 
So tell us about some of the awards. Lister made good on this. Yeah. yeah. So uh, won a bronze medal at uh, GABF in 2014 for for Nutcase. They made that behind my back. Really? Yes. <laughs> tell the rest of the story. Well, I walked out there and I saw it on tap. What the? We've been asking. <laughs> we've been asking Dan to make a peanut butter beer. Um, oh, well, you never even broached the subject with me. You know better, you know better than to do that. <laughs> and so we made it for the end of the world party, the 12, 21, 12, yeah. uh, my end calendar, end of the world. So we thought the world ends, at least we'll have to get to have made peanut butter porter and not hear Dan <laughs> complain about it. <laughs> I'm proud to be wrong about that. It's not my cup of tea, but I'm proud to be wrong about it. Yeah. So that one, it doesn't So that ended up winning an award. Yeah. Submitted it's to the same category second, next year. Second best seller. Submitted to the same category next year. They told us it didn't belong in that category. Uh, so that's why ah. I love GABF. <laughs> uh, the categories are just so tight and then so subjected to the judges. And then uh, Fobab is kind of like a GABF for barrel-edge beers. Mm-hmm. And that's up in Chicago. And that's a little bit more broad. There's only nine categories across 500-some-odd beers uh, from around the country. So three years ago, we won a silver medal. Uh, for Barrel Edge Chacal. Two years ago, we won a gold medal in Best of Show for Barrel Edge Chacal. And last year, we won a gold medal in Runner of Best of Show for Randy Barrel Chacal. Wow. So, You're talking about breweries all over the country yes. yeah. submitting. Yep. And we really like that one because our beer doesn't really fit into guidelines. You know, We, we kind of try to stay outside of guidelines and make some more fun stuff than what people are. I, are I doubt there's for. a hip hop category for that. <laughs> we would probably win that one. The Chacal was supposed to be a, get it out of your systems, guys. Make that and be done with it. Yeah. <laughs> Five years ago. Five years ago. Yeah. It seems and like the beers that are sticking, you don't, you're not a big fan of. That's a great thing to point out. Great thing to point I, out. I, I sometimes refer to them as Kool Aid beers. Uh, you're a more traditional guy. Yeah. I get that. We have a Colchon draft. <laughs> What's it flavored with this time? Nothing. <laughs> it's just a Kolsch. I haven't had it yet. I'll have to go get one. Neither have I. We just tapped it today. Okay. <laughs> so how do you respond when people yell dilly dilly? I still don't even know what that means. <laughs> yeah. Good. Yeah. It's some Bud Light thing. Good. Yeah. Uh-huh. Isn't that beautiful? Yeah, I love it. See, I love it. I've seen like five commercials on, with it. Your own world. I've seen like five commercials that just doesn't make any sense. No, like, exactly. sure, if you want to make... Can you explain it? Exactly. No, I, 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 I <laughs> a bunch of nights yell dilly dilly and they drink Bud Light all day and it's the best thing ever. Yeah, according yeah. to them. Yeah, but... Um, it's really dumb. Water, yeah, no, water, water is good. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I like water. Yeah, I do too. <laughs> so I, that's what, I, what I'm curious about, Lou, is that I've been getting back into beer these days is why would anybody drink that swill when there's so many great local craft beers and, but maybe they can't choke down Mick Ultra yeah. <laughs> is that what it is though is that the, the palate is just no I'm not even thinking that's it because I didn't like IPAs until recently um, and uh, you know I've just I've grown used to them and now I like them a lot so is it it's a matter of people's palates aren't people, used to it or people's personalities attached to some beer some people allow that to happen I'm a Bud Light drinker boom mm-hmm. and that's that's it you know and I'm, that's really a scary thought in my mind I mean that's Pretty pathetic. Yeah. That's what that's what my dad drank. Boring life. That's what my dad's dad drank. Yeah, yeah. You know, and so that mentality is locked up with a lot of people. And I think like my generation is helping change that. Hopefully, yeah. Yeah, I mean, I got my dad. My dad Bunch used to drink honey. Yeah, my dad used to drink honey brown. And then yeah. now I could I can go home and I can hand him a 
a three yeah, Floyds. He knows what it is, and he's like, oh, I could chase, uh, I could chase this. A little bit like, there, yeah. So I think it's just that mentality. You're absolutely right. Before, uh, before I drank homebrew, I drank the beer my grandfather. Literally, I drank the beer my grandfather drank. Uh, and what was that? It was a Hudipole unadvertised top hat. <laughs> we have a top hat shirt. We do. We have two. Yeah. 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 So I mean, before I did that, I drank top. My epiphany beer, though, the beer that taught me that beer can be good, was Christian Moorline back in the uh, back in '77. That was that was uh, so, the first Reinheitsgebot approved beer in the country, and uh, it's, I don't know how it relates to what they make now, but um, it was so good I couldn't buy it. <laughs> it's kind of like Grippos. If I bought, if I bought a six pack of it, I would down it all and get drunk and be lousy the next day. Yeah, exactly like Grippos. <laughs> so. That was in the white can. It was gold on the top of no, the bottom. No can, I don't think. Any can that one? I don't recall a can. No, I have an old Christian Moore like can. Did you go back to the seventies? I got to check the date. This on was it. the Guestry Brewery. Yeah. Uh, when they moved it over to uh, Central Parkway. It never was the same. It was oxidized all the time. It was never ever the same. I kept drinking it then. I'd like that guy. Whenever I see Greg Hardman, I'm like, and he claims he claims he's going to do it. I don't know. I haven't seen it yet. Yeah, let's keep. What was the beer? What was it called? Do you remember? Christian Morline. No, the actual beer. Was it called Top Out or? No, no, Christian Morline. What was the beer? That, that was day? the beer. The beer was called Christian Morline. Yes. Okay. Yes. Got it. Okay. Uh, I mean, it, it really was. Like wow, <laughs> that's really really good, you know. Yeah. Tarbell, Jim Tarbell was, mm-hmm. was instrumental in, in, in instigating that. He didn't have any financial interest in it, but he kind of poked the guy Uniper to ask Tarbell about that sometime. He'll pump it off. Oh yeah, yeah. there we go. We'll have to book him on there. <laughs> That'd be great. Yeah, the the beer that I uh, first uh, drank, of course, was the cheapest. So top hat, <laughs> Milwaukee's best. Milwaukee's best. Yeah. Oh my god. Kind of, Terrible. <laughs> came back, but it's, people think a lot of that now. Some do. Yeah. I haven't had any for years, though. So I don't know. Yeah, I know. But it, I, just, I think if you're going to, you know, drink beer and, you know, it, and spend the money, you're going to want something that's flavorful, that's rich, and not something that's just, you know. Something to get you like drunk. Like you said, logic. Yeah. Right? Well, yeah. <laughs> yeah. I do enjoy the relaxing effects of it's, alcohol. It's a, it's for a lot of people, beer still is an inebriant. Yeah. Alcohol delivery system. Yeah. yeah. And that's it. Uh-huh. I used to drink uh, Milwaukee's Best Ice in college because it's 8%. Hey. <laughs> we, had a, we had a pop machine fraternity, and we had a film full of Bush, what was it? Something like that. And then we had the booby prize, Iron City cans. <laughs> <laughs> That's yeah. out of Pittsburgh, right? Iron City. Yeah, yeah. Oh yeah. Meta- I literally had a metallic flavor to it. Yes. <laughs> you I remember that? that. Yeah, yeah. I, I lived in Pittsburgh for a couple of years. Yeah. And- Pale, and then there's old frothing slosh, the pale stale ale with the head on the bottom. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> pump, pump on iron, as they'd say in Pittsburgh. <laughs> that's, a, that's a hard pass. Do they still make that? I think so. They, um, I think Sam Adams bought it because my dad used to sell equipment to some of the breweries down there. Or was there. it the other way around? And he saw Sam Adams trick. He goes, oh, you guys in with the competition now. And they go, no, they, they bought us oh, years okay. ago. I think so. Or they had a deal to... Brew and distribute in Pittsburgh. Something like that. Yeah. Someone's screaming at their their uh, iPod right now, going, "No, no!" <laughs> <laughs> I've been by the brewery. It's on Liberty Street in Pittsburgh. Uh, it used to be, yeah, it used to be on the South Side, as we used to say. Is that the South Side. South yeah. Side, yeah. yeah. Uh, up on Carson Street. So, so, do you think the 
the beer customer has become more sophisticated a little bit. In fact, you said you know most people look at it as an inebriant, but as I a, think it's getting that's that's just becoming less and less. Yeah, uh, there are pockets of people who still have to have their Bud Light, Miller Light, Coors Light, things like that. But I, th- I think we're nibbling away at them slowly but surely. You, you, you know, you, you think ten years back and. You know, you, you go to a bar and they have all the beers, Bud Light, Miller Light, and Coors Light, you know? <laughs> yeah, like, they're all the same. They have all four flavors. Yeah. <laughs> uh, to kind of answer, touching your question, you know, the consumer is a lot more educated than where we were in the taproom open six years ago. Um, you know, they, they know about the different hops. They know about the different, you know, they know what ABV, IBU means, and, you know, they know, they know a little bit about our brand. Um, you know, they've, Search us up a little bit before we come in here. Now we do get more of like the higher brow beer consumers because we're kind of a niche brewery. You know, we make crazy stuff. It's not like everyone's going to come here. Uh, so we get a little bit more of the beer nerdy type people here. So our bartenders are pretty good at answering all the questions on what does this mean, why do you use this type of ingredient, when, that sort of thing. So it definitely has changed in the last six years for sure. How often do you do the limited releases? How much time you got? Uh, well, it's, and it, and it's, it's, it really depends on what your definition of limited release is. Because we do, like Rheingeister, not to pick on Rheingeister Matchery, but you know they're just here. Um, they do a limited release, and that limited release is more beer than we put out in an entire year. You know, So it's been, like any beer we make, we usually only make once. So is that considered a limited release? Or is you know the beer we, the can, just the cans we put out on uh, first Saturday of every month? Is that a limited release? You know, it's really just take that into context of what you mean by limited release. We do barrel-aged beers. We do 30 cases. You know, a place like Sierra Nevada does a barrel-aged beer. They do 30,000 cases. So it's kind of just like most of the stuff we do is, is limited in that in that respect. So when there's, that not, when there's not a hippo involved... <laughs> How, uh, well, we do the right Oscars. The anteater. Got to get the anteater now. That's that's going to be in July. <laughs> that's going to be in July. We're actually going to, in May, we're going to do a Zoo Babies. And they're going to have a four-pack. It's going to be the same beer. And it's going to be four, the four-pack will have four different animals. That's nice. four pack. Did you ever think, I mean, three years ago, that you'd be doing beer brews? Or a beer brews, zoo brews? <laughs> no, say? but I gotta, like, I, I've been going to the zoo since I was a little kid. I remember my grandma and my aunt taking me to the zoo, and, and I remember reading every sign. That's why you know, I always notice it in every can there's a fun fact of that animal. So I remember reading every sign and every, every, I still to this day, if I go to a monument, I have to read every single sign at that monument. And that's why so, I'm not allowed in museums. Same. <laughs> my family will run past me and I'll still be reading the one sign. Yeah. Come like, on. They're ready to go, okay, we're done. Yeah. And basically the whole zoo comes here for happy hour, right? Much, yeah. <laughs> yeah, they yeah. come a lot. So it just really, it, that's why Cincinnati's great, though. So, I mean, there's all these little, I don't know, and that conversation, really clicks, but... That conversation started with a zoo employee and I at the bar. You know, we're just like... Let's make a Fiona beer. Yeah, why to help not? Fiona, like okay, yeah. and then look where we are now. It's just crazy. Yeah. We need a Cincy shirts beer. That's right. What would Only. that be? Okay. We have uh, <laughs> with cops and yeah. cotton. Yeah. And <laughs> a little bit of throw some shirts in the boil. Yeah. <laughs> We've had uh, oh, plenty of ideas of barrel aging our t-shirts for you know three months. And <laughs> out, or, uh, That's a great idea. I don't know. There's something there. 
for sure. Certain air about them. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so what's the future? You guys are going to do this or two more years and then uh, what, InBev is going to come in and uh, yeah. sweep you out from, <laughs> from uh, under your feet? or uh, What's the future, Dan? I mean, that's, uh, I don't know. You're having fun now. We, yeah, we've got the place... Is starting to firm up as far as what we intend to do. We talked about putting a beer garden on the roof. We'll see. There's been a lot of changes over the last couple of years. You've seen that, and it's starting to it's starting to firm up now. So we can quit spending money on that for a bit and save money for something else. Yeah. Uh, like to get a maybe a better brew house at some point. Or just kind of brewed and small. But I, I don't have a deep urge to get too big outside of the area. I, I don't feel the, I feel the play here is a neighborhood brewery now the regional I think is pretty much played out you can't there's only so much shelf space so many taps and that so the local brewery is what I think the future holds how much has uh, Renegade Grill changed your business it's starting to it's, it's been slow okay uh, it, it took off a lot slower than I had hoped Mm-hmm. But it's starting to we're starting to see people coming in here. They have a, they have food. Yeah. And we're, whereas having people who were drinking beer got food, and I'm starting to see that people are coming here for the food and drink the beer. That's that's where we're going with that. Good. That's good. And they're, they're, the people seem to have got no complaints about that. And Those wings are awesome. That, that's what they do. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So how do you see, like, I, I know that a lot of the big, we're talking about uh, the, the Budweiser's of, of the world and things like that, and how is the craft brewing business uh, shaping up versus the big, because a lot of the big guys try to come in and make it look like they're entering the craft brew market, but then... Crafty beers. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, they've got to do that. Um, I don't think that the games, uh, the, the, the alcohol delivery system that they've lived by is, 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 is holding up. There was a um, this guy named Dave Gausapol who collects Burania, and he had some cartoons, uh, internal advertising cartoons from Anheuser-Busch from back in the 60s, featuring Fred and Barney. And the whole, the whole deal was the 80-20 rule. You want to sell your beer to the 20% of drinkers who drink 80% of the beer. The drunks. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you know? And that was, so Fred and Barney get drunk. But uh, I think that portion of the market is going to Try to just going to peter out with the old guys, and I don't. I really don't think that's. And so they have to do something. They're not stupid people, and they develop these crafty beers. The trouble, the trouble is, I haven't had one of them that wasn't watery. Oh yeah. Mm-hmm. Why is that? Those guys know how to not do that. Yeah, that, that costs money. Is it a matter of scale? You think, or I think they want drinkability. They value drinkability over. Other things, and and so you want to they want to be able to throw it down and not have to. I, I, I believe that's uh, yeah. That was Bud Light's slogan for like three years. Oh yeah, drinkability. Right. And that's you nail it right in the head. And I, I think hmm. it, the watery beers are a little easier to get down real quickly, and then you can have more of them. You know? That's they <laughs> want, yeah. you know. Well, and people too. I mean, when you have a neighborhood brewery like this, or even you know a brewery that's based in a city, people know the story behind it. And you kind of have to manufacture not only this cheap beer if you're a Budweiser, but you also have to manufacture a story behind it that people are going to invest in. Uh, they're using it for anything else than an alcohol delivery system, as you're saying. Yeah, well, they can't call it that in public. <laughs> yeah. yeah, well, yeah, yeah, that's what I'm saying. Right. They got to 
but still, and, and that's that not only is there a drinkability issue, there's a believability issue because, like you said, the consumer is getting more educated. Well, Anheuser Busch they have the big horses that pull the beer wagons around, and oh yeah, you know, and they're pretty horses. They're very pretty, you know. Yeah. And I don't know what what the hell does Miller do? I don't know. Yeah. Coors has a Rocky Mountain spring water. They still plug that line because they make it in yeah. Virginia now, don't they? Yeah, yeah, yeah. They do. Yep. They didn't tell us that. <laughs> show the stream. Is that, is, is that right? Yeah. Still big on the stream. Ah, yeah, yeah. I think so. Okay. Cans right blues. The, yeah, the cans. Right. The cans blues. So now it's cold. It's you cold. can drink it. You can see the cold. Our friend, uh, comedian Jeff Tate, says, "Well, we can't trust our hands now." Yeah. <laughs> what does Miller do for their? What's their book? It's Miller time. It's Miller time. Yeah. yeah. Still there you because they're not wrong. <laughs> if you're buying their beer, it's well, they're, going to, they're always going to have a big slice of the market. People, yeah. the drunks, the eighty percent drunks. How did you? F- the twenty percent who drink eighty percent. Yeah, yeah. How did you feel about when they, when the, when, uh, the the macro brew went after the micro brew two years ago? They're like, oh, oh, that was funny, right? That yeah. was that was that. I, I thought that was wonderful. <laughs> yeah, made the hard way. Yeah. <laughs> we throw in beech wood. It's like you can enjoy your pumpkin pale and stout blood. One of their crafty beers was pumpkin. <laughs> <laughs> That's right. Oh. In their in their twelve pack. Is that a no-no? no no? No pumpkin amongst the. Real no no. The point was they were making fun of the pumpkin beers, that yet they were yeah, making. Oh, them. they were. Making <laughs> yeah, oh, gotcha. oh yeah yeah yeah. yeah. Just, was, just don't get why they would come after. All the I, I, I thought that was that was that was wonderful. I, the people talked about it, and the, the people didn't say, "Oh, I don't want to drink craft beer anymore." You never hear what you never hear. You never hear somebody say, "Oh, I used to drink the craft beer stuff. I don't know. I, I, I kind of like Bud Light." Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Well, the guys are trying to you know go going back to the manliness back. You know, it's not manly. It's not sweaty. It's not working class. You know, it's all wimpy and and you know hipster and all. So well, I guess if you got it, you can invent a, invent a problem that doesn't exist. They that's, do. They do lean on the hipsters. Yeah, yeah, they're yeah. yeah well, that's, fun of the hipsters. Yeah, yeah. But that's the that's the market that, 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 that's that's <laughs> all. Like you said, the old guys who yeah. once they drink themselves to death, yeah. be, <laughs> where are they, they going to go to? Yeah. Also, it's more manly to chug a thirteen percent beer. Right. <laughs> what is a chugging? <laughs> really? Yeah. Why would it? That disturbs me. Yeah. <laughs> it's your baby. Yeah, yeah, you know, throw it down your throat like that. Yeah, enjoy it. I, I shouldn't criticize it. They're guys who, whatever. But I just, it's a mystery. I don't. You can do that every once in a while to show everybody you can do it, but habitually? Yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah. yeah. I mean, as, a, as a party, as a bar trip, sure. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I did my first car bomb in probably 10 years on St. Patrick's Day. It felt, it felt good again. Yeah, you know, <laughs> whiskey shot in the. Uh, yeah, 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 the Baileys and Jameson, uh, drop it in the Guinness. I see you guys had the Shamrock Shake. What's that all about? Was that a? It's an Irish cream stout. You know, inspired from. Is it green? Did you get a bunch of sorority girls coming in trying to? No, it's not green. Uh, Just just a Irish stout with non-alcoholic Irish cream added to it. So nice dry stout with that added to it. That's a big deal. Yeah, Yeah, you love the Shamrock Shakes at 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 Mickey D's. uh, (laughs) This has no mint in it. Although we're not above that. We are. <laughs> Tomorrow's brew. Are there any flavors that uh, are on the horizon that you'd really like to see? I mean, you talk about the smoke or the... Yeah. Uh, <laughs> we have a, uh, and... Peaches and cream Berliner Weiss coming out. 
peaches and lactose. Um, we're we're gonna have a milkshake IPA with pineapple and coconut in June. So perfect beer for the summertime. Uh, Bringing back the beet meat. Beet hefeweizen. We'll be back spring, summer. Well, spring beet? ever gets here. Oh, cool. I put beets in it and it turns pink and uh, get some of that, a little bit of earthiness from the beets. Nice. That's got to be a hip hop beer, right? With beats? No. Beats. <laughs> that was before the hip hop stuff. My brother gave me a jar of pickled beets, and I ate damn near all of them. Got up the next morning and took a leak, and it was all pink. And I'm like, <laughs> <laughs> What's wrong here? So I called him up. And I thought, well, that might make a fun beer. So we did it three, two years in a row, three? Two or three. Yeah. Two or three. Yeah. <laughs> Fiona turn you, it's not at a level that will turn your urine. Oh, that's disappointing. Yeah. That's not <laughs> yes, yes. Goals. Goodness. Your four might be the time to perfect it. <laughs> I was at the uh, the uh, Caroline Brewery up there in Dayton, and they do 20 pounds of beets per barrel. Uh, they, they roast them and then they put them into the boil. And they don't, yeah, wow. it comes out. It's pretty good, really. It's just a Weiss? Please? It's kind of beer. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Right, right. Go through the whole, uh, how about carrots? No right carrots? now, right now. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Right now. <laughs> got a carrot cake beer in the fermenter right now. Ooh, <laughs> that sounds so good. Yeah. Some vanilla, some carrots. So what have you said no to? There's got to be like a big brainstorming board somewhere, like the worst ideas. Like what's what's like the the best Smoke or the pot. worst that hasn't been? <laughs> <laughs> Jason is not a smoked beer fan. Yeah, there's two people in the world, you know, people who like smoked beer. People don't. Yeah. No one just thinks smoked beer is okay. No one's like, has smoked beer. like, ah, that's okay. Yeah, you, either, you, like, yeah, you like it or you don't. Yeah. Are, you beer, are you a smoked beer guy? I'm not sure I've ever... Uh, Really had a smoked beer to where? Yeah. Uh, uh, Billy's the uh, sour beer guy. That's one thing I can't stomach. Sours. I like all beers. The sours are good. It's smoked beer, more smoked beer because I love smoked meats. So it just goes yeah. hand in hand. When I first opened the store, the, the fellow worked for me at the time. He's a smoked beer freak too. Okay. Yeah. And we got some peat smoked malt out. Smoked over peat, you know? Yeah, yeah, yeah. The worst. And, and, and uh, so we really didn't know how to deal with this. So I thought, we'll tell you what we'll do. We'll, go, we'll make a batch 100% peat smoked malt, and then we'll blend it with different things. Just you know, be able to talk intelligently about it. Yeah. We, we both liked it 100%. We drank it that way. <laughs> it has a coal tar sort of flavor. Ooh. Which sounds disgusting, but... It's, that sounds so good. It is good. It is good. <laughs> You can go smell it, and it's not something you want to ingest. <laughs> so you're going to publish a book with all of your uh, Hell no. findings and recipes and trials? No, no. And there are enough That's books That's picture you being the mad scientist back there, there like mixing enough. stuff. And now, in 2021, yeah. we're going to remake Cicada Beer. Uh-huh. Get ready. Cicada Beer back in 2004. You could make a deal on some shirts for that. <laughs> My goal is to have Dan retired by that. <laughs> so that we do not have to make that Cicada <laughs> Beer. What's the profile on Cicada Beer? It wasn't as bad as I wanted it to be. <laughs> it's a great sales <laughs> sales technique. <laughs> Did it have legs? No, no. Uh, That's I, I got, I got Every morning I'd get up and I'd pick the white ones as they come out. You know, before they turn brown, yeah. And then I boil them, blanch them. And I get 17 ounces of them, 
that I toasted over natural gas. <laughs> Wait, there are proper cicadas in this beer. Oh yeah. Oh my god. <laughs> let me let me get this out there. This is not a Listerman brewing. This is a, this is a Dan homebrew. GM has to step over yeah. the owner. And then I, <laughs> I gave it a, it's all protein, so I gave it an eight hour protein rest. That was my mistake. It smelled of algae, real strong. They smelled of algae. And I gave this really long protein rest. I think that was my mistake because it took a lot of that odd flavor out. I'm not going to tell you the beer was good, okay? <laughs> I won't tell you that. But it was, I, I expected something really revolting. It's really good. <laughs> so let's make that and sell it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, so it wasn't bad enough. So, so you have hopes of perfecting that by 2021? 20, I mean, I guess you can't. 2021 is when they come back. The 17 yeah. year. Yeah. So you can't really practice, can you? No. No, are you, there cicadas anywhere a, else in the world that we could yeah, there are different cycles? Not like that. You weren't around for that. Oh yeah, I, I definitely remember cicadas. I mean, Two thousand four. Uh, yeah, they never couldn't stop walking. Oh yeah. Them. But uh, but yeah, how are you supposed to practice until twenty? You don't want to wait till they, they come out and then twenty thirty eight. Then you got to wait another. <laughs> <laughs> well, they come out in different parts of the country, so. There's different yeah, you have to have some shipped in from exactly. there's an outbreak in the next couple of years to so have someone say, harvest them for you. You're saying you had to give it a, a protein break. So you're, I guess you're pretty adept at knowing how certain things will react, like how vegetables react versus fruits. or I'm dirt. not sure I can tell you how, that I know exactly how insects react. Well, yeah, but still. I mean, <laughs> <laughs> a protein risk was about 125 degrees. I did that for a long time. It's supposed to break down the proteins. And did you read that somewhere, or did you happen to know from using other ingredients that well? I suppose I knew from other ingredients. Okay, I don't, I don't, interesting. I don't. I didn't never put bugs in my beer before. <laughs> <laughs> never brewed grasshoppers. Yeah, to see bees. What oh, yeah. Yeah. Get did, out of here! You got that. <laughs> I did dandelion. I, I did dandelion instead of hops for a while. And that was pretty good, except the last time I tried it, my eyes and my nose went on me when I tried to pick the damn things. So <laughs> I gave that up. That was. Yeah, you don't want to ingest Roundup or anything like that either. For well, that's a possibility <laughs> too. <laughs> or homegrown dandelions? Yeah, <laughs> dandelion garden. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> that fun. That's awesome. And yeah, we substitute cardamom for dandelions. <laughs> it's delicious. I once assembled a beer. Can I talk about that? <laughs> sure. Bring it. This is what we want. Homebrew, right? <laughs> yeah, it was homebrew. It wasn't commercial. It was way before the commercial. Right? Not this right. Five ounces of dark hopped malt extract powder and mix that in a keg with a bottle of one, uh, Everclear. Everclear. It, turned, it turned it all cloudy and I had to filter it. And then I carbonated it. I made light beer. Oh my gosh. I bet it was light. No fermentation required. <laughs> it took did very it's a beer and sweat party. It took a twenty nine, which is not a bad score. Out of fifty. Out of fifty, which is not a bad score. Wow. In the light American light category. That's insane. Huh? No, yeah. That's insane. And I got yelled at by a couple of judges. Like, oh, tell five tries to pace it on you. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, well with the Everclear, I mean that'd be pretty potent beer, right? No, 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 no. If you it's a five gallons. Okay. If you, uh, the bottle of Everclear in five gallons produced like of water. Of water. So produced about four percent. Uh, about okay. the right percentage. Say, wait a second. The Everclear I know is. Uh, <laughs> oh, it's ninety-five percent. <laughs> yeah, I was gonna yeah. say. But that was but that's ninety-five percent alcohol for, for one of the five gallons. Yeah, so yeah. Oh. that's a, that's a fifth. 
in in uh, uh, 45th, something like that, yeah. right? Yeah. yeah. Too right. much math. Yeah, just carbonated. We're just t-shirt guys. But he had to. It, 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 <laughs> yeah, so that's that's. It that's one ninth, one alcohol <laughs> for the recipe. The gravity one of five divided by forty-five. <laughs> five divided by forty-five divided by five. One fifth. How many fifths are there in five gallons? So twenty-five fifths. Where does forty-five come from? Where's forty-five? You said forty-five. Four and a half percent. This is why we don't get anything done. <laughs> 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 a five-gallon keg contains 25 fifths, and one of those fifths was the Everclear, so it's 125, it. which would be 4%. So those guys at home don't follow my math. 4%. Yeah. Yeah. They worked out perfectly that way, except it got real cloudy, mm-hmm. and it needed to be filled. Oh. Just ran it through a cheesecloth? No, 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 no. no. <laughs> a proper wine filter. Okay. <laughs> Don't be silly. <laughs> Being ridiculous. <laughs> That's great. Wow. I don't think we'll be making that anytime soon. No. Oh, why not? <laughs> not just legal. <laughs> awesome. Well, at the end of uh, every episode, we like to uh, let the guests. Uh, Say a phrase or a single word. That'll be a twenty percent off promo code. Good at CincyShirts.com. So, so if you guys have one word, just yell it out. We'll uh, we'll make sure that's our that's our coupon for the week when this this podcast is released. Auskzeichner. Auskzeichner. What? Auskzeichner. And your second choice would be. <laughs> Make sure he can spell that so he that can type it on the excellent blog. Excellent in German. Okay. <laughs> excellent for German. Uh, we can also add uh, excellent. Don't ask me. There. Don't <laughs> just dove in on that one. Don't ask me to spell it anymore. <laughs> we can Google it, and yeah, maybe the, if they do the German version, maybe that's thirty yeah. percent. Excellent. Oh, that's a good idea. And Make sure there's an umlaut in there. You, no, you, no could, you get the German sorted, and it'll be 25 percent, twenty English excellent. All right, that's great, brilliant, awesome. Yeah, Dan and Jason from Listerman's Brewery Brewing Company. Thanks for uh, sitting down talking to us. Uh, Exciting stuff you guys got going on here. And also, you can buy uh, Listerman's t-shirts and hats and all that good stuff uh, at cincyshirts.com or at the uh, the gift shop here at the brewery. So uh, come check them out. Uh, we'll see ya. Yep. Very good. Thank you. Dan Listerman and Jason Brewer from Listerman Brewing. You can find them across the street from Xavier University in Cincinnati at 1621 Dana Avenue or online at listermanbrewing.com. Listerman has two ends. Today's show is produced by me with help from Josh and Darren. Our theme music is Cincinnati by Big Nothing. They are from Philadelphia. You can find them on Facebook and, of course, you can find that song on iTunes, Spotify, or wherever else you get your music. Find vintage tees from Philadelphia and other great cities like Cleveland, Louisville, Pittsburgh, Seattle, and more at oldschoolshirts.com. Dayton just came on board, as did Boston, so we're adding more 
designs to those stores as well. Uh, quite a few new designs in the pipeline for all the sites. And in case you missed it, the promo code for this episode is excellent, and that's good for 20% off, but if you put it in in German, you'll get 25% off. And that is good at both CincyShirts.com as well as OldSchoolShirts.com. And so, again, you'll get 20% off your entire order when you use that code or 25% off if you're clever and know what excellent is in German and or know how to Google. You can also use that code uh, in our physical stores, by the way, our brick-and-mortar stores in OTR, Hyde Park, and now Loveland. Yes, it's official. We are open 10 to 8 Monday through Saturday, 10 to 4 Sunday. The website says we are closed on Wednesday. That is true for Over the Rhine and Hyde Park. We will be open in Loveland, I believe, from 10 to 8 on July 4th. Stop out and see us. A lot of big things going on in Loveland if you're in the area. Uh, I guess you're going to be doing fireworks and all kinds of other big July 4th celebrations. So stop in and buy some shirts while you're there. Uh, then let me see. Uh, follow any of all of our social channels, of course, Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. Oh, and Snapchat, too, for the latest Cincy Shirts news. So tell your friends about the show. Give us a good review wherever you get the podcast from. And as always, download or stream us next time. Bye. Hey!